What's going on, guys? This is episode three of my aftermath with Nico Verdugo. I'm sitting with. Is this where I said my name? Oh man, this is Gary Cornegay the second. I go by G two, but some people call me Gary. Uh, my dad calls me Little Gary. My mom calls me G, so you can call me G two. Alrighty, well, it's good having you. How you doing today? I'm solid, bro. Good, looking good. The beard is looking good. I like you know, it. This is three weeks in. I'm trying to trying to get it right, but it'll get there. Just give All me right. some time to grow the thickness. <laughs> That's good, man. Alrighty. Well, I got two questions for you, G. Very simple. I want you to speak from the heart, from your gut, on what worked for you. Well, it's not it's, it's not me asking for your advice. If say I'm a new person or whatever, it's a new relationship. I'm asking. Tell me your story. Um, because honestly, I've I've seen you grow from where little kids sharing the same inhaler, right? To now, it's like damn, like I gotta not catch up. I'm I'm not comparing myself. But it's like damn, it makes me wanna just. It's motivating. Motivating, and uh, you know, it's like first one. You know what? I'm really I'm curious to hear story how you became the person you are today. Could could you please? Um, from beginning, not to beginning to end, because you're still riding it. Give me the process of the beginning. Um, man, my story is real simple. Uh, nothing too crazy. I was uh, around the age of four or five when I realized I was different. I wasn't like any other kids. I wasn't like anybody in my family. Um, I come from a family in South Central LA. Uh, most of my cousins and my aunts and uncles. Uh, physical was how they handled a lot of things and so I didn't handle things physically uh, my father kind of took on the the mantra of raising an entrepreneur just like you could raise a basketball player a football player or a dancer he wanted to raise me as an entrepreneur and so growing up I always felt different now it's crazy because um, around four or five you're entering into what kindergarten mm-hmm. and so now I'm around a bunch of other kids who I don't feel I fit in with keep in mind I'm also the only black kid in the entire school. Wow. I lived in Arcadia, California. and went to a school called Longley Way Elementary. It was predominantly Asian. And so that, was, um, that wasn't a culture shock for me, but I knew something was different. I couldn't tell if, it was, if I was black or if I was thinking different, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, that, yeah. I, that's always comical. But um, going throughout the schooling process, I just didn't like taking orders. Um, they used, they, and even through high school, I ended up dropping out of school at around 16. And I'll get into that story in a little bit. But um, it's funny because I just didn't like taking orders. Um, the idea of having a job, the idea of preparing kids for jobs, that, that just wasn't something I was interested in. I didn't like the teachers. I didn't like the fact that I had to eat when they said eat. I had to raise my hand to talk. I grew up in a household basically where my opinion mattered. And so that's basically how I, uh, how I view school. And you can imagine growing up in a household like that, that schooling obviously wasn't that important to me. It wasn't something I valued, wasn't something I was interested in doing. Um, nine times out of 10, if I could find a way to get out of class or even get out of school, I would take it and do it, if you feel what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of ditching, a lot of truancy letters, things like that. But um, teachers, I don't know, I kind of don't know why this kind of happened to me, but because I'm, I'm not the kid that's gonna be quiet and just take the face value of what you say. I'm going to ask a million and ten questions. I got a lot of teachers that were verbally abusive that were saying, sit your little badass down. Oh, wow. and, and that's their view of me, not knowing who I am, but they're saying, sit your badass down. Yeah. And my parents didn't talk to me like that. I didn't grow up in an environment that was conducive to that kind of conversation. And so my dad kind of pulled me out of school for the first time in fifth grade. 
<laughs> and uh, I decided to become, well, we decided, like I had a decision in it. I just didn't go to class. My parents actually made the decision to homeschool me. And that's really where I found out a lot about myself. Uh, most students don't have a chance to be in control of their life until they're 18, 19. I thank God because I had a chance in the fifth grade to be in control of my life. Mm -hmm. I found out how I learned. I found out when I like to work. But I was creating the environment. I wasn't conformed into school. Exactly. And, I, and I'm telling you this not because I'm bashing education. I'm a big believer in education. But I'm just not a big believer in formal education, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I go through this whole homeschool process from fifth to eighth grade, and I'm getting good grades, and I'm doing what I need to do. Then my dad says, "Well, Gary, don't you wanna don't you wanna go to high school? Don't you wanna play football?" And I kind of I kind of lean into it. And I say, "Heck yeah! Who doesn't wanna go to high school? Who doesn't wanna play football?" So eighth grade, uh, halfway through the year, I started attending uh, um, uh, what's the name of the school? Vineyard Junior High here in uh, Rancho Cucamonga. And man, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. All of my friends were girls. They were always hugging me. They were always talking to me, mm -hmm. having a conversation. And the social side of school was what was attracted to me. Now, I could care less about what a teacher said. I could care less about homework. I could care less about going to class. I was really interested in people. Yeah. I like talking to people. I like having conversations with people, trying to figure out what's wrong with them mm -hmm. and see if I could fix them in their time of need. I was always a friend that you could lean on, always a friend that you could talk to, and always a friend that everybody loved. I wasn't a jerk. I wasn't a violent person. I'm always just a loving, caring. I could, the easiest way to, to explain it is I'm like Magic Johnson. Every time you see Magic Johnson is what? He's got a big smile on him. Yeah, he's yeah. never going to... He, he's serious about what he does, but he's always going to find a way to make it comical, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that that's really how, how I viewed myself in eighth grade. And then I segued into high school, man. And and I just didn't like... I didn't like high school at all. I, I only did about a year and a half. Say it like it's prison. I only did about a year and a half, a year and a half in the public school system. And uh, it was horrible, man. I had teachers assuming things. I grew up in a very prominent uh, area in Rancho Cucamonga. Um, my father does very well financially, and so being one of the only African-American kids, well, it was a pretty good large population, but one of the only African-American kids whose parents were rich, they figured you can only create wealth as African-American either doing music, right, playing ball, right, or doing something illegal, and they assumed, their assumption was that we were doing illegal things. Mm -hmm. So I've had teachers stop the class and say, like, I, I, I go on a lot of company trips and we have a good time uh, in the middle of the day. It doesn't matter to us. I told you school wasn't important to me or my parents. So they take me out of school, take me on company trips and things like that. And I remember particularly we were getting ready to go to the Bahamas. And my parents said, hey, Gary, make sure you get the homework from all your teachers. And I was in Miss Torres's math class. Um, and yes, I said the name Miss Torres's math class at Los Osos High School in 2009. Right. Um, I was a sophomore taking freshman math because <laughs> I didn't like school. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I let this teacher know. I said, hey, listen, I'm going out of town, and I'm going to need the homework for the next, uh, for the next week because I'm going to be out of town. And she stands me up in front of the entire class and says, Gary's going out of town class. So, Gary, what is the, what is the, um, what's the reason? Drugs or prostitution? And, and, and that, for me, it was like, well, hold the hell up. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty boisterous, but in, like, in a moment like that, it kind of belittles you. Like, she's be at this point, and I'm understanding what she's doing because I grow up reading leadership books. I grow up reading The 48 Laws of Power. I totally understand what she's in the process of doing. She's yeah. trying to deface my character in front of my peers to belittle me to make her feel larger yeah. because she barely makes $30,000 a year as a struggling teacher, and she's got all these life situations going on. And so I, that happened time after time after time after time after time. 
And of course, as a 14, 15 year old, guess what you do? You rebel. And so I started rebelling. I'm not going to your class. I'm not going to class. You got something to say, say it to my face. You mad because I make more money than you? I was one of those kids. To the teacher, not to the kids. I'm a great student to kids, but to teachers that feel like they're better than people and they belittle people and their whole goal is to, is to, they're like bullies. They beat up on kids to feel better about themselves. I got something to say about that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't shut up and I got myself into a situation where it was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to kick you out of the school district. For another situation we're gonna kick you out the school district and so it's kind of like you ever been uh hey listen you think you're gonna get fired so you decide to quit i thought i was gonna get kicked out <laughs> so, I, so i decided to drop out <laughs> and uh, i think I, but i really think that that part that point in my life really built up my tolerance to dealing with verbal ridicule to to dealing with um uh, stereotypes dealing with the world's perception of me and how I, how I perceive myself was different from how the world perceived me uh, because I'm African-American, uh, because I come from money, because of all these different dynamics that are against me, but it looks like a certain way, but just because it looks a certain way doesn't mean it is a certain way. And so I uh, dropped out of school and I started a business, man. My dad said, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to go to school, you got to do something. You're not just going to sit around the house. Same. So what do you, what do you want to do? And I go, obviously, I'm never going to work a job. That's never been the goal. The goal is to own something. So what do you like? I said, I like the music industry. And so we start doing research, and he starts making me read books on music. And I start watching these documentaries on, like, Welcome to Death Row and all these different things. The Bad Boy documentary. I start watching Motown documentaries. I'm, I'm uh, Cadillac Records. I'm watching anything I can get my hands on as it pertains to the music industry. And that's when I found it. Distribution. I want to be in the music industry, but I want to control distribution. Hmm. It doesn't matter what the product is. If I can distribute the product, I can make money on it. Hmm. And that's what I did. I started a company at the age of 15 called Drop Squad Distribution. I work with unsigned artists and independent labels, and I help them distribute their product to the masses. Now, this is this is before, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Apple Music yeah, and yeah. Um, Spotify. Yeah. You guys have these digital platforms of distribution. And they're, pay- they're paying out massive residuals, which is beautiful. But uh, we weren't doing that uh, at that time. It was just all guerrilla marketing. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is I'd hire a team of uh, high school students. They'd buy their music from me um, wholesale and sell it retail. So they were buying it to me for me at $5 a unit and selling it for $10 a unit. Of course, they kept the profits, which was beneficial to them. But we promised the artist a dollar, which no, no artist right now is getting a dollar Per unit. So if Beyonce has an album, 17 songs, and she's selling it for $24, right? She's not going to get a dollar. She's going to get about 25 to 50 cents on that album. Oh, wow. And so, so understanding what we, where we came from and what we're doing, it was definitely beneficial uh, to that. But, uh, of course, the music industry changed and it shifted. Mm-hmm. And uh, online downloading and piracy became a big deal. And mm-hmm. how do you combat free? So, so the question is, if I'm not going to pay for Lil Wayne's music, why would I pay for this artist's music? Yeah. So, of course, we, we had planned for that, and we had a couple million dollars behind us with investors' capital, and we tried to overcome that and work that, but we actually broke into all 50 states and even broke into some provinces in Canada. Hmm. Then we, felt we dealt with the customs deal and the currency exchange, and it was just a lot, and we just weren't financially ready to keep going. I decided to take a step back. Because around the exact same time, my grandmother was dealing with some health issues. Mm -hmm. I decided to take a step back from the music industry. I was tired. I was burnt out. Dealing with Hollywood people. People lying to you. People telling you, hey, man, your hair looks good. And you know your hair. You didn't even brush your hair this morning. Hey, man. Oh, my God, man. Your song's great. You know your song sucks. I just got tired of the Hollywood fakeness, man. And I feel like that laid a solid foundation for me getting tired of the music industry. 
So now I knew one thing. I wanted to be an owner, right? And I knew I liked music, but I wasn't going to use music to make money. Then I came across this interview with this billionaire named Warren Buffett. A lot of people probably heard of this yeah. guy. He owns a company called Berkshire Hathaway. He is a, a billionaire upon billionaire. I mean, this guy competes to see who can give away the most money each year. Like, broke people compete to see how much money they can make. This guy's giving away billions. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I was watching an interview with him on YouTube. YouTube is one of the best universities known to man. And uh, if you use it the right way. And so he says, you take what you love to do, right? And you make it a hobby. You take what you hate to do and you make it a business. Hmm. And that was blown. I was blown back because going to the institution of public school, they tell you what? If you do something that you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. It's still work. <laughs> and yeah, it's still work and you're still broke, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so if you take what you hate to do and you make it a business, because if you hate it, that means you're going to find an easier way to get it done faster and people will pay you for that. Yeah. Guess what I hated? Mrs. Torres's math class. Guess what I became? A financial advisor. But I realized that if I was a financial advisor, I was a worker. What the shift for me came when I sat down with my mentor when I first got involved in the business. I said, you know what? How can I make money? He says, Gary, you have a, a great background in distribution. You understand how to leverage yourself. You understand that if you if you by yourself are working, you're limited by time. But if a thousand people are working, you have no time limitations at all. No matter how rich you are, you only got 24 hours. And so I understood that. So I said, well, how can I benefit from this? He said, Gary, you have to lead people. You have to build a build an organization that works so you don't have to. Build a business that works so you don't have to. Then he put on this movie called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. This changed my life, man. It was about a 30-minute, not even a movie. It was really just a guy explaining a concept that hit home for me. And I feel like that, all, all these different things made me who I am today. Right now, I, I tell people, I'm naturally lazy. I, I really don't enjoy working, you know? And um, but I, I I'm the hardest working guy on the front end, but the the least working guy, right on the back end. I will work seven days a week. Like I, in my business that I built today, uh, that's worth upwards of twenty million right now. Um, I worked every day for about a seven month time period. I took no days off. I didn't take Sundays off. I did seven days a week, about sixteen seventeen hour work days, every single day, day in day out. Wake up, do it over again. I could care less because I'm, I'm hard working on the front end to be lazy on the back end. I haven't worked that hard since I was 21. Keep in mind, I started my business when I was 20. Mm-hmm. I retired at 21. Today, <laughs> our net worth is in, like I said, the tens of millions or the 20s of millions. And I'm excited about it. But it's because I went through all these different phases in life. The ridicule from aunts, the ridicule from uncles, the physical ridicule. Oh, you're a punk. In the African-American community, if you can't fight, you're a punk. You're a sissy. They call you gay. If you cannot defend yourself physically. And my dad told me, Gary, you can beat a man up with your hands, but his face is going to heal. So you didn't even hurt him. You hurt him temporarily. Mm-hmm. He goes, white people, and, and excuse me, and I don't know if you're, if you're sensitive. You talk to be real. That's how blacks talk. No, it's going to have an explicit warning on it. Right. Yeah. So, so, so Caucasians... Uh, and, and specifically Jewish people yeah. are taught how to handle how to handle things slowly, but it's more painful versus quick and quick and easy. Let me show you. Somebody wants to fight you. You hit you let them hit you first. Mm-hmm. Then you lay on the ground and don't get off the ground until the police come. Then you press charges on that person. 
Because if you beat that person up, guess what happens? His face will heal. Mm-hmm. Right? But here's what happens. If I press charges on him, his finances can't heal. Got it. His mom is going to have to do what? His mom's going to have to put her house up to get her son out of jail for assault. Right? And that's going to mess with their financial situation. And you'll look up and, and, and in three generations, their kids, kids, kids will not be able to recover from the financial damage of this 15-year-old that punched me in the face. <laughs> if you're going to hurt somebody, hurt them. Yeah. Don't hurt him physically. That'll heal. That's what my dad taught me. That's so big. I didn't know how to fight. But I knew how to fight. He says, Gary, the weakest person in the room is the loudest person in the room. Yeah, yeah. So it's not the person that's like, hey, look at me. I'm cool. That's the weakest person in the room. Because it's a lack thereof. Right. He's trying to compensate for what he didn't get. He's trying, to, he's trying to create something that he doesn't even believe. That's why he's got to scream it. Learning these things, learning these attributes made me who I am today. And so I love it. I love it because I can point out who the weakest person in the room is at all times. I can point out how to really hurt somebody if they want to hurt me physically. I'm not no punk. I can't fight, but I choose not to. I choose to fight with my mouth. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, this is the biggest one. If you can stay in the back of somebody's mind long enough, they'll learn to appreciate you instead of hate you. So I'm nice to my enemies. I kill my enemies with kindness. Because they're going to hold a grudge, not me. That's big. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I'll forgive you, and you're trying to figure out why I forgave you. And that, my dear friend, causes cancer. That I promise you it does. Mm-hmm. That worry, that doubt, that fear, that causes cancer. So, I mean, w- once I start learning these universal principles and these universal laws, I stop caring about what everybody else said and what everybody else thought of me, what everybody else, all that other crap. But I think that laid the solid foundation for me to be who I am today. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I'm 24 and I'm worth, my net worth is in, like I said, a couple, like 20, 30, probably 35 million. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bluff. That's 100%. Yeah. And I love it because I had great parents that paid a price so I didn't have to because my parents taught me how to think and not how to fight because my parents taught me how to talk. I can talk to policemen. I'm not scared of the police. Yeah. Even though I may get pulled over for racial profile and I drive nice cars, I get racial profiled every day. But I know how to articulately how to, how to articulately conversate with the police where they put their foot in their mouth. And I can win either way. I'm good, man. And so I, I really believe that that set me up to be the person who I am today. But I'm, I mean, and the person that I'm in the process of becoming. I don't know everything and I'm learning more. I tell people I'm the epitome of the rookie and the vet. I've only been in business for myself since 15. Most CEOs of major corporations that are worth what, what our family's worth right now is about net worth. It's probably the net age of like 60 years old, 60, 65 years old, 24, man. So it's, you know, it's funny. It's just, just you explain that entire thing. It's like, because we didn't grow any different because our fathers both grew into a business together for the past three decades. Right. And it's like... And they both from the hood. Exactly. Your daddy hood as hell. Yeah. 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 But it's like, it's it's just so funny because it's, there's... There, between between Gary and I, there's just a mutual respect because as much as he, he was so uh, successful in this area, I, in a way, did the same but in my own way. Like, it's... 
and it's believe me, I I do not I I have there is no like bad thing about like oh I wish my dad did the same thing for me. It's like no, it's like everything's happening for a reason. Mm-hmm. So it's like cool. Like for me, like between me and Gary, we were self improving, self helping since we were fourteen, fifteen. Right. I started at fourteen with working out and bodybuilding, and for the past seven years, I've done that. And for me, and for it's like oh you just oh you just started working out from like no, like literally I would like. Like, as much as, like, tonight, we're going to go to Corky's and spend until 2 o'clock in the morning. I've been doing that since I was 14, but in a different arena where it's like, okay, right. I, I, it's like I was absorbing as much information as I could. It's like, because I wanted to, in it, like, build a business and build to, to become, have an ownership of that type of thing. It's like, and it's just funny because as much as, as much as we're in both two different families, we, we're coming together. Right. And, we're raised on the same principles. We're, we're raised on the same principles by... It's like... It's just funny. Right, it is. It's hilarious, man. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's, more, it's more funny because how this all started was because our fathers... Like, oh, damn, we, we got to be there for each other. Right. It's all coming for a circle. I'm sorry. Full circle. Full circle. Right. And it, it, it's just super interesting. And that's where it's like... Uh, I mean, because I remember the day that I, was, I came to you guys just... Hey, if you remember... Like when I came to you, I was like, "Hey, how you guys doing? I miss you guys." Like right. it was the rekindling of a relationship that was right, like, right. like for even though we're neighbors in Ratchakukmung, it's like we didn't we were neighbors, but, but we, didn't, we didn't see each other frequently. I would see a, you in passing, but not see you like coming to see you. Yeah, like right. how we are right now. That right. like it's it's just crazy. So uh, it was just interesting that you said that. It's uh, alrighty. Uh, let's move on to um, for you personally. This now the when I say business life because they go hand in hand, really. Uh, for you, what were your biggest challenge or challenges that you had in your business life, so on and so forth? Mm. Like not just like the everyday of like oh dealing with people this way, people no, that no, way. No, 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 no. My my I'm a firm. My biggest problem in business has and will always be me. Exactly, okay. and, that, and that's the question with yourself, right? And I, I think that is it. It's not. It's not a problem with myself. It is myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I always tell people, "Hey, listen, I'm only 24." You know, uh, on the on the boastful side, it's like, "Yeah, I'm 24," but then on the humble side, it's like, "Come on, man, I'm only 24." And so I use it. I really leverage it, but really understanding where I'm at to grow my level of leadership. Whenever there's a problem, nine times out of ten, it's probably because. It's, it's probably because of my level of leadership because I'm not there yet. I need to grow my leadership. So my problem is always going to be me. Like when I when I got involved in financial planning and, and really just owning a, a real business that works so I didn't have to, my biggest problem was me. I had to change who I was at that moment. Coming in at 20, like I, I'll tell you guys a little bit about, about it. It's kind of funny. Um, I was 20 years old, never had a job before, never worked before, owned a business but not a business that, like a like a brick and mortar like suit and tie business. I was in the music business where green hair and red hair is accepted. Very, very expressive, very creatively like right. Driven. So, exactly. so the way I would I would express and create is by wearing skinny jeans. And like yeah. when I say skinny, I'm talking about skin tight. Like damn, are those girl jeans? Yes, they're from Forever Twenty One. But I got them on. They look fly, you know. Yeah. And I would sag my jeans, you know. And I, I would just that's where I was at twenty. And so I had to obviously improve myself to go from being twenty broke. Not making any money for myself to being 21, making $100,000 a year, which is the top 1% of income earners in the world. Mm-hmm. 
So I had to work on myself. There was obviously a self-improvement gap. Reading the right books. Figuring out what I'm consuming. Now, usually when I say consuming, people are like, oh, man, what are you eating? Oh, man, what are you, what are you drinking? Oh, man. And those what's are like... It, what's in the water? Right. Who gives a <laughs> shit what's in the water? Yeah. But, but the truth of the matter is, what are you consuming on a daily basis? What are you looking at? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you... Like, who has your brain? When you're idle, when you're not conscious, when you're sitting there on your phone, you're not conscious. Consciously scrolling Instagram, you're not consciously on Facebook, you're not conscious consciously on World Star, you're subconsciously doing those things. And when you're subconsciously doing things, you need to, you need to watch who has your brain. Because mm-hmm. if you're watching a video and you think it's funny, those things are making hard deposits on your subconscious mind. And so what happens is it is impossible to be conscious 100% of the time throughout your day. So what happens is your subconscious mind takes over, but guess what's imprinted on your subconscious mind? All the shit you've been watching on social media, all the shit you've been listening to, all the shit you've been reading, all the shit that you've been going through. And so what do you do? You react and become a product of your environment because your subconscious mind is trained to behave that way. That's some deep shit. But I had to figure that out on my own. Yeah, yeah. I had to be in a position to figure out who the hell Bob Proctor was, to figure out what the conscious mind and the subconscious mind was, how to cause a paradigm shift. Man, I was doing crap. I got a video of me, Nico, being hypnotized. And when he says paradigm, that's not, that's not 20 cents, all right? Yeah, not let's, a pair of that. dimes. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. a paradigm shift, right? <laughs> and so it, it's funny. It's funny we joke about it, but the, the seriousness of the conversation is that we consume so much negative shit in our lives, you wonder why your life is so fucked up. Let me ask you, what age did that all happen? 16, 17. That's what I found out about. I didn't start practicing it till 20. I put that shit into action at 20. That's when it became real to me. Ever they say when the student's ready, the teacher appears? I wasn't ready. I promise you I wasn't ready. And there's still a lot of things that I've learned and heard and read that I'm not, re- that I'm not ready for today. How can I read a book on parenthood? I don't got no kids. It'll apply. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. But I'm not ready for it at this moment. So what I can do is read the book on parenthood right now. But then I have to go back and reread it as a parent. And it'll mean more to me. Exactly. So I went back and rewatched those videos. I went back and reread those books. Thinking Grow Rich, man. They said the key to that secret is reading it three times. I can tell you, the first time I read Thinking Grow Rich, I was 11. The second time I read it, I was 16. It meant nothing to me. The third time I read it on my own, the other two were punishments. You're in trouble. Read Thinking Grow Rich and write a report on it. The third time when I read it on my own at 20 years old, it meant the freaking world to me. Because the common factor behind all of these mega rich people is that they can think and manifest and create wealth from their mind. It wasn't a skill. It wasn't a habit. Henry Ford was illiterate. So schooling obviously doesn't help people become rich. It's how you think. But school teaches you how to think like an employee, how to just do a job and not how to be a free thinker and not how to be a leader. You're taught how to take orders. But you can think, if you're in control of your thoughts, if you're controlling what you consume, you can think and really honestly believe that you can grow rich. I'm a firm believer of that, man. These are, these are books that I'm going to give my kids' kids' kids. And when they're ready for it, they'll, they'll understand it like I did. So everybody, and it's funny because it's like um, when, I was, when I was younger, I was like, man, I'm not going to read this corny-ass book. That's what I was thinking, you know? I was really into gangster rap. I was, really, I was like, man, this shit is corny. And then some of my favorite rappers are reading this book. Some of, a lot of my favorite musicians, a lot of my favorite actors are, are live their life on these disciplines. From Easy e to the Notorious B.I.G. to Rick Ross to Kendrick Lamar to Rob Deerdeck from Robin Big. These guys, all these people that Master P, 
Puff that all these guys I looked up to, they all had the common thread. They can think and grow rich, and they all have read and touched that book. Mm-hmm. I love it. Because nobody else, they, am I, I, can I be honest with you? Please. Okay, and, and it's just going to offend people. Oh, my God, he said it. Listen, growing up in my household, my dad always told me, if you want to hide anything great, you hide, if you want to hide anything great from an African-American, you hide it in a book. That's what my father told me. And I'm finding out these things from books. Even audio books don't translate the same. Yeah. It's you can, I read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck on an audio and then I read the book it didn't translate the same I got it more once I understand thinking real rich Robert Kiyosaki personal mentor of mine Les Brown personal mentor of mine I know these guys I listen to the audio books but then I read the book and it means more to me but you want to hide anything great from an African American person put that shit in a book because blacks don't read so how, what, what did I do I changed it I wanted to read mm-hmm. I became interested in reading now I don't read all the time I'm not a strong reader but I'm reading, I read things that I'm interested in. I don't read things that are still... I don't read the tabloids. I don't read the newspaper. The newspaper is interesting, but it's not interesting to me. The business section of the, of the uh, newspaper is interesting to me. But the Wall Street Journal... Yeah, it's, it's relevant to me. Exactly. I'm not going to read something that didn't mean nothing to me, man. Come on, man. But, but maybe that's something... Like I said, I'm 24, so maybe that's something I need to work on. Yeah. So like I said, my biggest problem is always me. I'm going to keep growing. I'm, always, I'm constantly growing. So I mean I'm in the, I'm getting ready to be 25 in November. I'm getting ready to end up going to marriage and having a kid, and I need to grow myself. So what am I? I'm gonna read. I'm gonna comprehend. I'm gonna really assess my situation. And hopefully I'm ready at that point. So when the student is ready, then the teacher appears. But the teacher's always teaching. So that's big though. That's yeah. It's uh, you know it's just funny. Just going back and forth of um, it's so crazy how regardless of we grew up in different families it's we just we were raised in that environment to where like it's hard it's hard because it's like it, this is a different conversation between me and Gary than it is from any anybody else it's like it's that's where it's like I look forward to seeing you and your dad and your even your even your mom and your sister it's like because it's 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 literally it's it's not hard to explain it's difficult because a lot of people don't have this perspective right they don't have they weren't raised in this in- like it's uh, people think you should have this conversation with anybody else they're gonna think you're crazy yeah because most people are trained to be employees man it's like and you know it's funny a lot of these things that people that were talk about it they either have done a drug drinking a drink or whatever a type of anything we've done this through like like for me like for me personally I've uh, oh you saying but like people that talk like this are either higher yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah 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 oh man yeah. no yeah it's but like, these are these are conscious these are conscious thoughts not subconscious thoughts exactly so I'm consciously having this conversation with you because I'm consciously I'm aware of it I don't have to get high to have a, a conscious mind yeah it's like yeah I know exactly what you mean it's uh yeah and a lot of people will have no idea what you're even talking about. Yeah, no. And if it's not, it's okay. If you don't understand this interview, if you don't understand this conversation, that just means it's not for you. But re-listen to it again, and maybe it'll be for you. Yeah. Maybe it's like Think Grow Rich. You got to listen to it three times. <laughs> Some cases, a hundred. Uh, if one at all. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, it's funny. Um, I've always had this, uh, not just this topic that we're talking about. Uh, I've always... I So I've heard this from... Um, 
he's the CEO of Onnit. It's a supplement company that's more lifestyle driven. Like it's not a bodybuilding. Yes, they have creatine and stuff like this, but that's that's not what their main product. Their main products are nootropics for your brain to create more pathways into it. So you, it's more of a to keep you on a level basis. It's it's pretty much human optimization in all areas. So he uh, he had one of his good friends, how mean you are. And the title of it was, and it, maybe this is different for me, maybe it's something different for you, but the title of it was Embracing Your Ego and Finding Your Way. Now, what he meant by that was, is not, yes, I, so me and you, or I'm sorry, you and I, we were raised Christian, right? So we believed in the Holy Trinity. There was the human animal, there's a spiritual God, and there's the perfection of Jesus. And what's ego? Perfection. So that's where it's like it, and it, like, say Holy Trinity. Trinity. It's a think of it as pillars of strength. The human body can only go so long and so far. The the spiritualness of God is love and consciousness, but it's so it's there is no lack thereof. So it's in a way it's not complacent, but it stays in place. Right. And a lot of people for ego they belittle, and it's funny that you say like uh, going back to your teacher. They were, she was trying to belittle you. A lot of people nowadays belittle their ego and they don't appreciate it. Right. If that makes sense, it's like. Yeah, they don't. They're they're taught they're taught not to be egotistical. It, but I think your ego is. They say ego is stands for edging God out, and I believe that to a certain extent. But I think ego is what makes people great. Like why else would somebody go and reinvent a car? Like Ford should be the only car out. Yeah. But because I feel like I can make a better car than Ford, I'm egotistical. We now have Lamborghini. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I look at, or you gonna have Tesla. And so I look at, I look at concepts like that, and I totally embrace what you're saying, bro. A lot of people are taught to be humble. I'm a big advocate. If you tell, if the easiest way to piss me off is tell me to be humble. I will go from zero to a hundred on you verbally, because I, because as, and I, only way I can look at it is from my my lenses. When you tell somebody to be humble, you're telling them to be quiet because you're making people feel uncomfortable. But I need other people to embrace that level of uncomfortableness. That's how you break out of it. So I don't, I don't like humble. I don't like, oh, you've got a big ego. People with big egos, mo- okay, who's the, okay, this came out today. What's, today is the 17th? I think so. Today is the, today is the 16th or 17th? Today is the 17th. The 17th. So this came out yesterday. You know who the number one highest paid athlete of all times is? Floyd Mayweather, the most egotistical person in the world. Guess who the number one highest paid celebrity is? Floyd Mayweather, the most egotistical person in the world. Let me tell you why. Because his ego is what keeps him performing. If he was humble, he would stop fighting at five. Yeah. I beat you up. I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to be great. No, no, no. Those are for other people. Mike Tyson, icon. Even though he blew it. Michael Jackson, icon, even though he's dead. Martin Luther King, let's take it to people that you guys respect. Martin Luther King, icon, because of his ego. I'm not going to let this happen anymore. Ego in Greek translate to I. Okay? So I'm not going to let this happen because of my ego. So, I mean, I think these are all features that God gives us, or that our creator, if you don't believe in God, our creator gave us, that are in us as a chemical that's in us, that makes us great. And those that humble it end up broke. The ones that embrace it end up controlling the masses and really having influence and can really make a change in their generation. But the person that's humble, the person that's quiet, at the end of the day, 
They're going to pass away just like we all are, but nobody's going to remember them. Hmm. Okay? Because they worked a regular job because they didn't do anything great. They may, may, may have been something great to somebody, but they weren't great to everybody. And guess what people that are great to everybody get? A street named after them. Hmm. Guess what people everybody gets that's great to everybody? They get days. I, I've never heard of Jimmy John Way. <laughs> I've never heard of Levert Williams <laughs> Day. I've never heard of these things. I want a day. I want to be icon. I'm, my ego is so big that I'm going to make an impact on this world that when I die, I'll have a street and I will have a day because of my ego. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's. You know, it's funny. Last night I had the weirdest dream, and it's funny. It, this this was the, this was the. I don't know why. It's just the night that I got to bed early and I fell asleep. You uh, probably, probably huh? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't at all. I, mean, I, I live with joke. my I live with my dad. I, I mean, he doesn't even do it. But uh, so it's funny. I had this. So when I say like, uh, so the topic was embracing your ego and finding a way. When I say embracing, I say this very loosely in quotations because it's be pretty much becoming aware of that of that third thing because that, as you said, separates us from the good to the great. And I'm not saying good to the great as a book that you can read that become this. No, it's like it's something. It's it's that mentality that we like. You and me, yes, we read books, but we didn't read a book on on the. I hate when people tell me this. It's like the self love. No, no, no! Like Mamba mentality because oh, Kobe Bryant. No. Like no, we were raised off that. We like before. Wait, I read Gary Vaynerchuk's book and I'm a savage now. Yeah, it's like Tony Robbins. <laughs> even though it's funny, he says like, I read those books, but it's like I read those books. Too. Yeah, but it's like it's it it, it it's like there is there was no chicken or the egg thing with us. Is we we lived it. We lived it. We practiced it. We from a lot of people like it's. It's just crazy. So back to my dream is um, I don't know why I've had this dream before. Uh, it was it, literally okay. This is the best way I explain it. Uh, so on the topic of being having an ego, I was at a campfire. I so th- let me put it this way: I was born Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Say my ego is Nico. Right. Separation of the two. I was born this. I became this. Perfect. But. I was at, in this dream. I was at a. I was sitting at a campfire, chilling. I don't, I don't remember if I was by myself, but it was just camp, setting was campfire. Me, boom, probably making s'mores. But um, it's funny. I was by my. I was by myself, and I in my own head, I said, "Okay, who, who, who is this second in a way?" And I forgot where I've heard it, but um, this I don't know, doctor, philosopher, whatever said that your ego is your Siamese twin. That's, that's that. I was like, that's that might be it. That he's your imaginary friend that you always talk to. As say if you say if I made fun of you in any way, he says, hey, hey, Gary, little Gary, I got you, and starts swinging his sword at somebody else to 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 belittle them, and it go, it's a back and forth right, battle. Right. It's a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism. That's all it is. And uh, it's funny. I had this dream of sitting at a campfire, and. I felt this not pre- uh, this presence of who are you because you I you trip me up so many times I'm, I I press on the gas and you're pressing on the brake at the same time mm. I'm going so far forward and I get pulled five steps back right. and it's like it's and it's and believe me it's 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 living life but it's like who are you because you're not me 
you're you 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 trip me up so much that I'm like in my dream I'm not kidding I believe me I I had nothing to drink nothing to smoke but it's like it was more of a not a hallucination because I was asleep more of a um, enlightenment. Not just, more, yeah, more or less enlightenment, but I've had this before, so it wasn't mm. much of an enlightenment. It was a reassuring. Mm. I was like, um, God, it's not to remember, but it's, um, oh, so I, like, I asked, I asked to say, who are you? Because you're not me. And it said, or I asked them, I was like, how long have we been together? So since the beginning of time. And I said, I was like, okay, well, if, like, we haven't been enemies, have we? And he was like, no. Um, and I asked, I asked him, I was like, when, when, when do we work best together? Best together. And this, this answer, and believe me, you're going to look like I'm crazy. I didn't have anything to remind you. He says, when you loved me. And I was like, I was taken aback because I was like, when you loved me. And I was like, Oh, you're just like everything else in the universe. You, you, you crave that love. You crave the attention. You crave the recognition. And it's like, say, if we're playing basketball and you have a star player that you don't even pass the ball to, and the and, and you just belittle that player and he doesn't become his potential. Right. Now you pass the ball and it's like, really? Right. Me. Me. Right. Really? And it's like, I'm, I'm getting chills saying this again, but it's like, and um. But yeah, it's like it's it's like wow, it's like everything else. It's there is no because people define of what everything. It, right. It's like it's this is bad, this is good, this is bad, so you shouldn't be talking to this one thing. It right. Of, so you, you you leave your ego on hold. Exactly, and what like even people at like with me working out, it's like people are like oh leave your ego at the door. Okay, can you explain that please? Like, it's like. I don't. I don't understand. You just are you just saying that? Are you just you? Yeah, I people, can't. People just say it, they don't understand it. People say they don't understand. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's and it's funny. It's like look look at me like I'm crazy, but it's like this. It's just a weird thing that. Yeah, no, I understand you 100, percent bro. Yeah, but uh, already we are 40 minutes into it. It's actually. That's how you gonna end it. You gotta end it cool, bro. I'm not. I'm not ending. I'm just looking at the time. But uh, well, yeah, man, we can. 20 minutes to talk to talk whatever you want to talk about I don't know man shoot I'm traveling traveling where you traveling to everywhere I booked a flight to uh, the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. a day later after I get back from the DR we're going out there for 5 days after I get back I'm hopping on a plane and I'm going to South Beach after South Beach I'm hopping on a plane I'm going to Jamaica after I go to Jamaica guess where I'm going where are you going I'm going to, uh, where are we going after Jamaica? Oh, we're going to Cabo San Lucas. Then after Cabo, we're going to Dubai. So we're traveling, man. Take the second half, the, the second half of the year and really uh, max out. Hmm. Enjoy life. Chill. Just, just you know, chill but work. I like to play, play and work. I mean, we don't have to use the last 20 minutes, man. I think we've done a lot in the last 40, uh, couple, 40 some odd minutes, but... The goal, of course, is to get people to have a paradigm shift, not a pair of dimes, but a paradigm shift to understand 
that the way you're thinking is not weird. If you're listening to this and you're like, damn, man, I agree with that 100%, that's awesome. Like, comment, and share, and tell us how this relates to you. If this is touching to you, let people know how touching this is to you. Because there are people, I'll tell you this story, I thought it was pretty cool. Remember I went through this phase of enlightenment where I'm like reading all these books, and keep in mind, this is in the process of me dropping out of high school but it's funny one of my closest friends that i went to high school with every day was going through the same thing but guess what because we were too cool and we had our cool jackets on and we didn't want to tell it wasn't cool to talk about emotions and talk about what you're thinking it wasn't cool to read books we never talked to each other about it i linked up with that person his name is craig right i linked up with craig at 20 years old and i found out that at the exact same time that i was reading going through my awakening he was reading going through his awakening but that's where we separated ourselves from the masses and came together in confidence with each other and really built something huge and so he is a pivotal part of my business and he's one of my business partners i actually found out that he's my cousin <laughs> my friend in high school and I found out that you're my family when we're 20 it was like we've been hanging out since we were 14 so I, this is this audio or this podcast is for you guys the ones that are listening to, to find something that you that you relate to and really just share it with somebody have a conversation with somebody about it it's not it's not like I'm trying to uh, to baptize you into awakeness and awareness and, and really just con- another level of consciousness but I wanna, I wanna start the conversation to get you guys understanding that this is the way life is. It's just like the Matrix. If you guys haven't watched the Matrix, watch it. Red pill or blue pill. Most people that chose the the red pill, to my knowledge, have a sucky life. The people that chose the blue pill are the ones that are woke AF, right? <laughs> the ones that that understand what's going on. The ones that understand how life works. It's not the people that are that are working. It's the people that are in control of why they're working. Um, and so that's really uh, what I'm about. What I'm, what my mark on the world is going to be, is talking to the people that want to be enlightened. So I, I don't prescribe to any religion. I don't prescribe to any belief. I don't prescribe to to anything. I mean, I'm Gary. Uh, I believe there's a God. I believe there's universal laws, and I abide by them and I move accordingly. So. You got any questions, you know where to find me on Instagram at underscore who is G actually who is G2 underscore. And I'll say that again, that's who is G2 underscore. I'm um, on Facebook is Gary Cornegay the second. Um, if you want to think about if you want to meet the creator of this crazy, weird, twisted, suburban gangster mind, it's like I got some of everything in me, right? I got the best of both worlds. Uh, you can contact my pops, man, uh, Gary Cornegay Sr. It plays a big role in my and who I am today and why I am today. And so, uh, yeah, man, that's me. I'm ending with a freestyle. You ready? Good. All right, look. No, I'm not <laughs> rapping no more, man. I used to actually used to be a rapper, dude. But, um, yeah, man, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm excited to be in business. I'm excited to have this conversation with you publicly. I'm excited to see who listens to it. If nobody listens to it, I'm cool. But if everybody listens to it, that's even fucking cooler. That's good, man. And how about we end it like this? Is there any... Let's call it question of the day. Okay. Say this is you and your personal, you know, whatever you're thinking. It's like, oh, I, you know, maybe more insight. What would be your question of the day? Shit. That's, that's a heavy question, bro. I don't know. I ask myself a lot of questions throughout the day. I think the most common one is, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I working a job? Mm-hmm. Why am I going to school? Mm-hmm. Am I going to school to satisfy parents or am I going to school to satisfy me? Am I going to go to school and have a bunch of student loan debt, like my girlfriend, and have to go get a job to pay off the debt? 
Like, why work? Like, why? Ask yourself why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I at a job? Why am I in my car? Why am I not driving my car that I want? Why am I not living in the house I want to live in? Why am I not traveling? Why am I not? Why am I? Why am I where I'm at? Ask yourself those questions. And then DM me and I'll give you the answers. We out. That's big. This is my aftermath. We're out.